You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Podcast. And be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 6 of The Collected Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Biondo, and Happy New Year! I, I know it's a little late in the new year. We are well into January at this point. Um, but this is my first episode of 2024. I took a much needed break um, on the episode that would have come out two weeks ago on January 11th. We were traveling for Christmas, for a late Christmas to Nebraska with John's family. And it was my birthday and in the throes of wedding planning. And um, I just felt like I wasn't fully prepared to give this message. God had laid the topic on my heart. I knew what I wanted to speak on, but I just hadn't given it the time and care that I felt it truly deserved. Um, Anytime I bring a message from the Word of the Lord, I want to make sure I honor God and honor my listeners by giving it the time and effort it deserves and make sure I do my research and my homework. So I'm bringing you um, truth and that, I don't know, that it's just the best that it can be. (laughs) Not that anything's ever perfect and there's always more to learn and grow. Um, But I have now been able to take more time marinating with this message and I feel like it is ready. Again, not perfect. There's so much deeper to go. Um, But this week we are going to scratch the surface of the name of God of Jehovah Rapha. And I picked this one for the beginning uh, beginning of the year because this is the Lord who heals. He restores our soul. He is healer. He is soulless. He is rest. Um, So many things wrapped up in the name of Jehovah Rapha, uh, sometimes also called Jehovah Rophaka or Jehovah Rophi. Um, So anytime you see either of those, it's referring to the Lord as our healer. And I felt like this was the perfect name of God to meditate on as we start a new year. you know, a year, hopefully, that will be characterized by healing and restoration and soulless for your soul. Um, So those are things I've been praying over our community. And so I thought this would be the best name to start with this year. So let's dive right in. Uh, The first time that we see this name of God in the Bible is in Exodus 15, 26. So this In this point of the Israelites' history, they've been freed from slavery in Egypt, and they just witnessed the 10 plagues. They witnessed God's miraculous provision of protecting their firstborn sons from being killed in that last plague. And they've also witnessed the miraculous parting of the Red Sea and um, seeing God wipe out the Egyptian army that was pursuing them. So they've seen incredible ways that Jehovah Jireh the Lord, our provider, provided for them. Um, The Israelites (laughs) go on after they cross through the Red Sea and they're delivered from the Egyptian army. They sing this 21-verse song of praise. And I'm not gonna read all 21 verses, but I just wanna highlight a few to give you the general, I don't know, vibe of where the Israelites are and how grateful they are. And they are trusting the Lord and they are worshiping with gratitude and praise. Um, And they're in just such a high mountaintop place. 
So they say, I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted, both horse and driver. He has halted into the sea. Um, so talking about what he did with the Egyptian army. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. So it just goes on and on like this, talking about the power and might of the Lord. Um, I love this verse. You blew your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead into the mighty waters. Oh, that's not actually the verse I was thinking. That's kind of dark, but shows again the power of the Lord. Um, oh, this is the one I really liked. I skipped over verse eight. So verse eight, by the blast of your nostrils, the water piled up. I like this imagery. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. Just this like vivid imagery of nature bowing before the Lord, showing reverence before the Lord. Even nature obeys the commands of God, that the waters can stand up like a wall when God commands them to. That is power and sovereignty and majesty, unlike anything that my mind could even realistically comprehend. You know, it seems so, just so otherworldly. Um, here, verse 13, in your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Verse 18, the Lord reigns forever and ever. So those last verses I read, the people are talking about, you know, being guided by the Lord and his strength and his redemption and his unfailing love. The Lord reigns forever and ever. The people sang forever and ever or at least for three days until they got really, really thirsty. So after these 21 verses of praise, the very next thing that happens three days later is they're already complaining and they're weary and they're thirsty and they believe that they're gonna die in the desert. After all God did to free them, I don't know if it's, you know, this like forgetfulness, this lack of gratitude, or just they're in this place of desperation. But they really go from this song of praise using powerful, vivid imagery to describe the might and sovereignty of the Lord. And then three days later, when they're facing their next challenge, they quickly forget all that the Lord had done for them. And they reverted back to the slave mentality of scarcity and fear. So they went from walking in bold confidence across the, across the dry ground of the Red Sea to living in the fear that they would die in the desert. And so I wanna pause here for a second because this attitude of the Israelites for me is sadly relatable. Um, there have been so many times in my life where I've seen God come through for me in a miraculous way, not literally parting waters, but metaphorically it feels like that, uh, by providing exactly what I needed at exactly the right time. And yet, the next time I'm faced with another challenge, I so easily forget all that God had done in the past. So, for example, right now, John and I are looking for a place to live once we get married. And as many of you out there know, 
If you're in a similar situation, the housing market feels very bleak, and it's so easy to stress and feel anxious about the lack of options, the skyrocketing prices, the uncertain timing, but God, but God is more capable, but God is faithful to provide, but God sees the full picture of how the timing will work out. And I need to remind myself over and over again that He's done it before. Already twice living in Charlotte, I've seen God provide housing for me in a miraculous way that seems to defy you know, the market trends at those two different times. And so now when we feel like our backs are up against the wall again, we must not forget the ways that God has shown up in the past, and we must not stop believing that He can do it again. And it may look different this time. His provision may look different in every season, but He is the same God, the God who provided a substitute sacrifice for Isaac. We've studied that story. The God who provided a way from the prison to the palace for Joseph. The God who provided freedom from slavery to the Israelites and brought them to a land of plenty or you know, at this point in the story, he hasn't done that yet, but he, but we know the story. We know he will. And so that is the same God who I'm praying to in this season for housing and who you might be praying to for healing or some sort of provision or a job or a relationship or, um, you know, bringing a wayward loved one back to you or whatever it may be that you are walking through. You are praying to the same God of these miraculous Old Testament stories and the same God of the powerful redemption stories of the New Testament. And we'll get to that in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting excited. So let me slow down. So this whole message so far, as I'm saying this, I'm like, wait a second, this feels a lot like a message about Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, um, that we talked about back in November. But I promise we are headed into a new name today. But I do love the progression of the way God reveals His names in the Bible. Herbert Lockyer describes it like this. There is a wonderful and significant order in the compound names of Jehovah as they appear in Scripture, indicating as they do a progressive revelation of God to meet every need of His redeemed people. Mm. That is good. And I find the order and intentionality of the Bible to be so beautiful and comforting that in the midst of what can feel like chaos, God is a God of order and beauty and intentionality. And that, like, I find solace and comfort in that thought every day. Um, so, Back to the story. Let's pick up in Exodus, what are we at? 15, 22. So um, the rest of the chapter is 15, or sorry, yeah, 15, 22 through 27. I'm gonna just read those through and then we're gonna break them down a little bit together. So verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Mara, which means bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it in the water and the water became fit to drink. 
There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, if you pay attention to His commands and keep all His decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped near the water. So the first thing that stands out to me here is verse 22, talking about they're going from the Red Sea and into the desert of Shur. If you have have been listening for a while, you know that I love geography. So obviously we have some locations here. And Moses is leading them again from the Red Sea to the desert of Shur. This was not the easiest or most direct path. So it really would have actually been more logical to follow the major trade route along the sea, which I can imagine would have had more resources and it's you know more commonly traveled. There are places to stop and get food and water. Um, and yet that's not where they went. Instead, they went into the world into the wilderness, the desert of Shur. So keep this in mind. We're gonna come back to this in a few minutes. This will this will all piece together. So in verse 26, we finally see the miracle. The Lord heals, quote unquote, the water here by making sweet, which was once bitter. So this water was undrinkable, which would have led to almost certain death for the Israelites if they didn't get water soon. Three days is a long time to go without water. But now this water brings life. And so here is that image of the Lord bringing life out of what the world tries to tell us will bring death or what you felt like would lead to death in Christ, it leads to life. Um, So the healing power of the Lord has the ability to bring sweetness to the things in your life that were once bitter. There's that kind of main idea again. The ultimate act of Jehovah Rapha, our healer, is sending Jesus to die on the cross to bring healing and freedom from sin. So I wonder in, um, what was it, verse, where they, he mentions, verse 25, where the Lord showed Moses a piece of wood and he had to throw the wood into the water and that made the water fit to drink. That brought healing. I wonder if this is some sort of foreshadow of what Jesus is going to do on another piece of wood um, on the cross, that our Savior would die in order to bring healing to our souls, and that would happen also with a piece of wood. We've seen over and over in the Old Testament that God is continually pointing to the coming of Jesus. And obviously, Moses didn't know what was going to happen with Jesus thousands of years later, But we get the privilege of seeing this full picture of the whole story, not the full picture of what is yet to come, but the picture up through this point. And we can see these connections. And I just think it's so incredible the way that the whole Old Testament points to Jesus over and over again. Another really fascinating thing that I stumbled across in my research is that this wood method to heal again, air quotes, the water may have actually had more immediate significance to the Israelites as well. 
you know, where I'm talking a lot about this medical metaphorical healing and forgiveness of our sins and healing of our souls. However, the enduring word commentary explains a theory that to me just highlights this idea that God takes every little detail into consideration and he is always looking out for our good. So even when we can't seem to see it in the moment, He is going ahead of us. He is preparing the way. He is providing and protecting. So the commentary states this, and we're going to get kind of scientific. So the chemicals in the sap of the broken limb drew the mineral content down to the bottom of the pools and left only good water on top. Even though the waters were now drinkable, there was still a significant magnesium and calcium content in the water. So the laxative effect of this would clean out the digestive systems of the children of Israel, cleansing them of common Egyptian ailments, such as like a form of dysentery, um, uh, something called Bilharzia, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's a weakening disease common among ancient Egyptian peasants. In addition, Calcium and magnesium together form the basis of a drug called dolomite, used by some athletes as a performance enhancer in hot weather conditions. At Mara, God provided the right medicine to both clean out their systems and prepare them for a long, hot march to Sinai. I mean, mic drop? I can't drop my mic. I can't buy a new one. Uh, But... Just sit with that for a minute, because the Israelites felt like God had led them into the bitter wilderness to die, and yet it was this very wilderness that brought them new life and would prepare them for the challenges that they were about to face, cleansing them of possible diseases that they were carrying from Egypt and giving them the exact thing that they needed to survive in the desert. I mean, I just, I pray that you're encouraged by that today. The wilderness that you are in right now may may be the very thing that God is using to purify your insides, maybe figuratively or literally. I don't know what you're walking through. Um, Because for the Israelites, it was a very literal purifying of their insides, Um, but also preparing you for what is yet to come. The final verse in this passage has such a sweet ending. Um, verse 27, then they came to Elam where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees and they camped there near the water. I mean, just picture that, like the springs and the palm trees, you can almost like smell the fresh air and it's a place of calm and peace. Um, The people drank the cleansing waters at Mara, and then they continued on and made it to Elam, where they experienced an abundance of fresh water and food. And I feel like here, God is reminding us to not lose heart when we're in the season of Mara, of bitterness, because He can provide a way through. And the rest and abundance of Elam might be right around the corner. But the tough reality that I'm sure we've all experienced on some level, is that your Elam may be one day away, it could be a decade away, or it could be something that you don't get to experience until heaven. But that same tough reality is the good news at the same time. Because this life, if we don't get to experience that Elam in this life, 
It's just a blink of an eye compared to the eternity with Jesus in that place of complete rest and peace and abundance and the ultimate final healing of our bodies and our souls, bringing us into complete restoration and wholeness as God originally intended for us in the garden. And so this idea of ultimate rest and healing, we are promised that, not necessarily on this side of heaven, but our hope in Jesus and the best news of what He did is that that is our guarantee when we die and we we get to have Him. And so the things of this world, as painful and heartbreaking and difficult as they may be, they're not the end of the story. And that's where the hope is. And it's so easy, like the Israelites, to lose sight of that hope because things can feel so heavy and so dark. Yet even when we've lost sight of the hope, it's still there. The promise is still true. It has not gone away. It has not lost sight of you. Sorry, that's super cheesy, but it's true. Um, And so that's this message of Jehovah Rapha, this ultimate healing and peace that we will experience when we're reunited with Him in heaven and we experience the way that He intended for us to be. So that's the end of our passage today, but I want to highlight a few other places before we wrap up in the Bible where we see Jehovah Rapha in order to get a broader picture of what He is healing. Um, So in Kay Arthur's book, Lord, I Want to Know You, she has a chapter about Jehovah Rapha, and she outlines a few different verses that highlight different aspects of God's healing. So I want to walk through a few of these, and if this is all too fast um, or difficult for you to just hear, you know, you're more of a visual learner, you like to underline. All of this is typed up for you in the show notes on our website, and um, those will be linked down below in the little episode blurb. So check those out. Go back, marinate on these, spend some time with these, and truly start to walk in this freedom of the healing that God provides. So here we go. The first one is 2 Kings 20. And in this story, King Hezekiah is like fatally ill. And I want to read verses four and five. It says, Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father, David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple, says the Lord. This passage shows us that God can heal our physical bodies and that those words are so beautiful from God. I have heard your prayer and I have seen your tears. I will heal you. And again, this is a very specific prophecy for King Hezekiah. This is not a guarantee that on this earth you will experience healing for what you are physically walking through. And that breaks the heart of the Lord just as much as it breaks my heart and breaks your heart that we cannot experience full wholeness at all times on this side of heaven. But the the general promise for us here is that God does hear your prayers and He does see your tears and He will heal you in the final days when we are with Him in heaven. Like we will get that healing one day. But two, on earth, we do see miraculous healings. All throughout the New Testament, Jesus is healing people's physical bodies as well. So this is 
this idea of physical healing, but also spiritual healing for us and being able to be spiritually whole and redeemed and restored. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, we see God healing the land. Um, Again, talking about the Israelites. And he says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear, hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Isaiah 19, 22 and 53, 5 give a powerful prophecy that we will be healed from the disease of sin. And this is a prophecy that is fulfilled in Jesus. Um, it, in Isaiah, it says, the Lord will strike Egypt with a plague and he will strike them and heal them. They will turn to the Lord and he will respond to their pleas and heal them. But he prophesying Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds, we are healed. That is the most powerful healing we could ever imagine. Next, Jeremiah 30, 15 through 17, shows us the way that God heals pain that seems incurable. His healing restores our souls. It states, why do you cry out over your wound, your pain that has no cure? Because of your great guilt and many sins, I have done these things to you. But all who devour you will be devoured. All your enemies will go into exile. Those who plunder you will be plundered. All who make spoil of you, I will despoil. But I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord, because you are called an outcast, Zion for whom no one cares. So again, this is this is a prophecy for Israel. This is talking about the time of the judges, right? And yet it is another beautiful picture of the way that God heals. So not all the examples of healing in the Bible are prophecies for all of us. You know, we need to understand the context of what's happening, but God does restore health and He does heal wounds. Psalm 147.3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Psalm 103, 1-3 says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his, all of His benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Mm, amen. Uh, Matthew 8, let's head into the New Testament. Matthew 8, 16 through 17. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. And Jesus did it. He fulfilled all those prophecies of Isaiah. Luke 14, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind and to set free those who were downtrodden to proclaim the favor of the year of the Lord. So in there, it talks about release, recovery, and freedom, proclaiming the favorable year of the Lord. Again, who wants some release, some recovery, and some freedom? I mean, I do. (laughs) I'm sure you do. Um, So those are things that Jehovah Rapha brings 
as the Lord who heals. The last one I have for us today, 1 Peter 2, 24 through 25. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. So that was a lot. That was a big brain dump. Again, go back, look at the notes, read through these on your own. Seek the Lord for whatever healing you need, whether it's spiritual, mental, physical. Um, Spend some time repenting, maybe. Um, Getting that freedom of sin that God heals us from. After looking at all these verses, I feel like here's kind of here's my summary for you. If that was a lot to process, stick with me here. In short, Jehovah Rapha heals everything. Period. That could be the whole message in a sentence. He heals bodies, souls, creation. He heals the sick, the brokenhearted, and the sinful. We can be healed because Jesus took our sin, pain, disease, and brokenness upon himself. So praise the name of Jehovah Rapha today and walk in the confidence of being healed, whole, and a free child of the King of Jehovah Rapha. I hope you have a wonderful week. I will be back in two weeks um, with a guest again in February. I have two amazing guests lined up, and then I'll bring another Name of God message sometime in March. I'm going to try and do one every couple months, and um, these messages, I'm working to compile them into like a study guide or some kind of devotional that you could do in a small group or on your own, Um, but These messages hopefully will one day be in an easy-to-access format for you as well, um, not just in the podcast. So we'll see. We'll see what 2024 brings um, for the podcast and just all all the things. But thank you for continuing to listen. And I am praying for you. And I pray that you experience Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals in a new way this year. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. 